0: Section 33 of Mrs. Diamond. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. Mrs. Diamond by Anne Isabella Thackeray Ritchie. Book 3, Chapter 9 Susanna and Her Mother. I drink it as the fates ordain it, come fill it and have done with rhymes, fill up the lonely glass and drain it in memory of dear old times. Ballad of Bullerays. Early next day Susie was standing at the gate of the villa. After the events of the night before, they had all come to the conclusion that it would be best to go home at once and tempy agitated and surrendering had written to her lover to meet them susy knew that her mother would approve of the engagement but she was doubting how she could best break to her the news of their approaching departure she herself was loth enough to go her heart was not light she could not feel as tempy did whose new life was waiting for her on the english shores whereas it seemed to susy as if she was leaving all hers behind her true interest her truest self as she drove along she wondered whether she could see max presently and be able to tell him of all that had happened and of the great determination they had come to she wondered what he would say how he would look approving disapproving would he be in the same mood as when he had left them the night before she found no answer to her question the villa was silent and deserted and as she crossed the garden she saw that the studio windows were closed as well as madame's kitchen doors she went in at the passage passed through the marney's dining-room where the breakfast things were still upon the table and so came into the little sitting-room where she found her mother Mrs. Mahony was lying on the old yellow sofa, for once she was not at work. Mikey and Dermy's piles of underclothing lay ripped unheeded, seams opening wide upon a chair. Their mother was leaning back with her hands upon her lap, a pair of horn spectacles and a newspaper lay upon the table. "'I think I'm better, dear,' said Mrs. Marnie peacefully, like a person going on with a sentence already begun." madame has been in to sit with me she has been reading to me i have heard about st cloud max Dupart came for a minute last night and brought me news of you all what a lovely day you have had for your walk marnie is in the tuileries to-day yes indeed marnie madame de morny sent for him you don't know how much they all think of his opinion "'Nobody knows more about politics than he does. "'I wish he understood his own affairs half as well as those of Europe,' "'said Mrs. Mamey with a sigh and something of her old manner. "'As Susie stood in the summer light against the green of the windows "'with all her black rippling around her, "'the mother looked fondly and proudly at her daughter. "'What a beautiful cloak that is, my child. "'How well your widow's mourning becomes you,' Susanna blushed up crimson. "'Oh, don't, mamma! don't say such things.' why the colonel always liked you to look well and becomingly dressed said mrs marney i used to tell him it was he not you that cared for the bonnets I myself like pretty things. I can sometimes think of your clothes, Susie, when I can't look at my own for worry. I was upset yesterday. The police came just after Max was gone. Madame was in a terrible taking and talked some nonsense about Marnie. What nonsense, Mamma? Susie asked. Oh, we have made it up, Mrs. Marnie said, taking Susie's hand and stroking it. Max, like a good fellow, brought her in this morning. Well, what have you got to tell me? i see there is something by your face when susy began with no little reluctance to break her own news she found that her mother received it better than she had dared to hope so you have made it all right for the poor girl i am glad of that my susy it's ill work putting those whom god has joined together i shall miss you sorely but promise me to come back if ever i want you promise susy and i shall not fash over the parting and susy eagerly promised Oh, mamma, any time, any time. I can keep the boys a few days longer, Mrs. Mahony continued. Caron is going over to England next week, and he will leave them at school for me. Mrs. Mahony was very tender, very motherly, but absent in manner. Is that Madame's voice? she said uneasily. Don't wait, Susie, you must have so much to see to. But almost as she spoke, Madame appeared upon the threshold, concentrated, forbidding in aspect. When she saw Susanna standing near her mother's sofa, Madame stopped short, stared fixedly, and immediately turned and walked away out of the room. Mrs. Marney flushed up, then laughed at Susie's look of bewilderment. I did not want her to see you here, Susie, and when Susie asked what it meant, she has got some nonsense into her head. People trouble themselves too much over other people's affairs, was all Mrs. Marney said, and then she kissed her daughter's face holding it between both her hands and looking into her eyes as tenderly as if susy had still been a child depending on her for everything mrs mamey promised to come up with the boys and to say good-bye next day in the afternoon when mamey was gone susy would gladly have remained longer she hoped to have seen max before she left she wanted an explanation with madame but her mother seemed only anxious to hurry her away For one moment at the door did Mrs. Marney detain her wistfully, and in that moment Susie found courage to say in a low voice, "Mamma, will you tell Monsieur Max we are going? We expect him too to say goodbye.'' Then Mrs. Marney flung her arms around Susie's neck and began to cry. ''Ah, poor Max, he will miss you, but not so much as I shall. Oh, remember, I must always count on you for my boy, Susie.'' You are young, but no younger than I was when I was left a widow, and I took my own course. And it has been a hard life, but indeed I would not change it, said the faithful, inconsequent woman. Go, darling, go. Poor Susie drove home disappointed and perplexed by her visit and wondering at the meaning of it all. She was used to her mother's ways, used to the mysteries of the household from which she had so thankfully escaped she could imagine, alas... "'What good reason her mother might have to try "'to avoid a meeting between Mr. Marnie and myself? "'But Madame du Parc's behaviour distressed and troubled her. "'Some crisis had occurred. "'Of that she was assured. "'They were all against her, "'her mother and Madame and that hateful Marnie. "'People in an excited and abnormal condition "'are quite quickly suspicious. "'And Susie crimsoned at the thought "'that it must have all to do with her friendship for Max. "'Ah, what business was it of theirs?' If only she could have seen him once more, if only he had come to her, then she felt that everything would have been plain. Mrs. Diamond found active preparations for their departure going on when she reached the hotel, and a general confusion of Wilkins among the bandboxes of parcels without number and milliners in waiting. Tempe was writing in the drawing-room, and looking up with a face so changed, so radiant, with transient beauty and happiness— that susy could scarcely believe that was the tempy she had known all along i have had a telegram said tempy charlie will meet us at folkestone the day after to-morrow and oh susy mr bagginall came this morning and monsieur du pare i was very civil indeed and nice to them both they want to take us somewhere to breakfast tomorrow, and Monsieur Duparc is coming to the Louvre afterwards, so he will have all day long to say goodbye, as we don't leave till after dinner. Susie didn't answer. She sat down rather warily. He had been there. She was glad of that, even though she had missed him. But at the same time, she had an odd feeling of some intangible, unrecognised trouble at hand. One to be avoided, not faced, to be fled from, never to be realised. All day long the thought possessed her while she packed and paid and parted and settled the various details of their going. Du Parc saw Susie again that evening, though she did not see him. Susie and Tempy, with Phraisie between them, were driving at foot pace along the Champs-Élysées. They were rolling home from the ark, behind which the sun was setting, a huge dropping globe of limpid fire. Max had been staring at the glories that were lighting up the ark and its stony chariots and heroic memories, while the triumphal clouds above were heaped in a present apotheosis of splendor and commemoration. The victors and victresses of this present generation were complacently driving out in the soft evening air after the heat of the day and issuing from their houses or strolling leisurely or resting on the benches along the way. Many of the passers-by looked up at the two English ladies in their equipage, with the pretty blue-eyed child between them. Among these came Max de Parc, trudging home from Monsieur Carroz with a portfolio under his arm containing his completed work. Susie did not see him, but he saw her, and the prosperous serenity of the little party struck him painfully, and the carriage seemed to him somehow to be rolling and rolling away, right away, out of his life. End of section 33.